I've already, I've, I've introduced Langdon to uh, the concept of Mr. Blobby, so he knows about that wow. now. Yes. All yeah, that, that is a British weird thing. thing. Yeah. I'm beginning weird. to learn the the British psyche to find out why America is bad, but Britain is worse. How? And apparently, Mr. Blobby is uh, a nice manifestation of the the deep psychic trauma that you all carry. Yeah, he's definitely something everybody in the UK is desperately trying to forget. Yeah, it's not a proud moment, I think. Mm. Yeah, that that was kind of yeah, that was a it was a bad time towards the end of the nineties. <laughs> Gareth has a good Mr. Blobby story about when Mr. Blobby took all the animals away. <laughs> it's not a story <laughs> as such. It's it's I used to go to this um this park <laughs> to this like zoo as a kid, and it was really nice and it was like all idyllic, and there were all these animals and. <laughs> It was like it was like a, it was a fun thing that I remember from my childhood. It was like sunny days, and it was all like I could feed the elephants and stuff. But then it then the BBC bought it and turned it into the Mister Blobby Land. So it was all painted pink with yellow splotches everywhere, and all the animals disappeared. Blobby came and he took all the animals away. Yeah, it was, it's horrible. And then he immediately closed the Blobby Land. Yeah, it, there was actually a. Um, uh, article someone like went like urban smoke in there like it's all overgrown now it looks like when there's like um soviet theme parks it's like yeah, all ruined it looks, it looks like chernobyl but then you'll see like a mr blobby statue <laughs> nice. it's, uh, yeah it's uh, absolutely horrible I, I hate that anthropomorphic blob yeah, man. Man. Yeah. Really, yeah this is I, definitely the strangest start to an interview Uh, we've got a record out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we need to talk about music for once on this show. But, yeah, that was a brilliant uh, Absolutely seamless. Talking so, about music. Yeah, talking about music. Here's Dawn Raid on the show, which is, like, kind of a coup for us because, like, we've dug your music forever. I think we've yeah. played some um, before. Like, you guys are kind of like a, like a, a big name in the the black metal that is good scene that there's there's many black metal bands that yeah. are bad of course but um you're in the the ones that are good you guys are probably like up there like really up there so yeah exactly yeah thank you yeah uh, so, no problem at all um so let's just let's just start with the basics then so how did you, you three guys meet? Uh, and you should probably introduce yourselves first. So there's two of the three of you online. Um, uh, I'm Simon. Out. I sing and play violin in Dawn Rage. And I'm Fabian, and I play guitar in Dawn Raid. Awesome. Cool. So you left the drummer behind, because I assume drummers don't, like, constantly <laughs> tour. Or, Just um, yeah. okay, things, man. Like, <laughs> he's, uh, he's on a train back yeah. to Leeds, unfortunately. He's only two of us here in Liverpool. Matt Lee. 
Ah, right. He's he's like the yeah, Leeds contingent. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, um, yeah, how did you guys meet, and what were you guys doing before Dawn Raid? Uh, we used to play uh, in another band called We Came Out Like Tigers, like a, a screamer band. Uh, me and Fabian mm-hmm. started that about that would be about ten years ago. Um, we like toured a lot, a lot in that. Um, that band really helped develop our politics. Like taught us how to tour, taught us how to be in bands. Um, Matt actually filled in drums for the last two tours that we did because uh, he was he was playing uh, like a metal band called Black Mass at the time in Leeds. Um, and we just bumped into mm-hmm. on the, the sort of tour circuit, so he filled in for a couple of tours. Uh, that band, like the, one of the other founding members, couldn't do it anymore, and it just seemed like a good time to like to finish that project. And uh, we talked, to, we'd always said like as soon as this band finishes, we'll just start a black metal band that same day. And like we had a, we met up the three, the original three members. Tiger, we kind of tigers. We all met up and decided to, to finish it. And uh, on the way home from that meeting, we just rang Matt and be like, "Okay, do you want to do this black metal band?" And uh, so birthed was Dawn Raid. Yeah. Nice. So how how uh, familiar were you were you with black metal at the time? Were you like screamer fans are secretly into black metal, or is, it, is there a lot of like black metal fans in the screamer scene? That was all we were listening to around that time. Um, we'd sort of growing up in that European DIY screamo scene um, and sort of all the squats around Europe. And in those places, like obviously there's a lot of screamo, but also everyone's listening to black metal and death metal and crust. And we were listening to consuming like a lot of black metal at the time. So it was very natural for us to play it. Um, and like they're both very extreme types of music in different ways. So it's a, it's a lot of the same craft that goes into making it. It just was slightly different emphasis. So yeah, it wasn't like it wasn't like it was a big change for us. That was the music that we were listening to anyway. So it made sense to play it. Yeah, and our last band had like a big like I think a big black metal influence anyway. We were sort of like people use the term black and screamo about sometimes. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good black and screamo bands out there. You can tell that, like oh, yeah. there's a lot of cross pollination between those two scenes. So when you were listening, when you're in. Tigers listening to black metal. Who who are you guys? Who who are you into? I was like, time? I think I remember listening. To, it's kind of a while ago, but I definitely remember listening to like Woods of Desolation, like a lot, like, like really heavily into mm-hmm. that band, and like Germ that he did. After, the guy did, yeah, like the guy did after Woods of Desolation. I just like all those bands, like really cool. But sort of I got really, really into the atmospheric black metal thing when that was all happening. Skagos, yeah, Skagos, Northwest, yeah, yeah. I guess like yeah, obviously like stuff like Pops Gone, like Walls in the Throne Room. Sorts of lefty bands, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I guess yes. A lot. Of, I guess atmospheric black metal was just massive then. So listen to a lot. Agalor, mm, yeah. Agalor, yeah, yeah. 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 So that kind of like um, mid to late two thousands ish kind of time. Yeah, where there was yeah, Wolves in the Throne were yeah. huge. I guess Leviathan was big at the yeah. time as well. Even though it's bad. Um, yeah, I, I kind of got into. That stuff at the same time. I, I knew what black metal was in because I, I knew of like yeah, yeah, yeah. filth. It was kind of like a joke yeah. genre. Um, but then I realized much later, oh wait, this is actually really good. And loads of these people are not Nazis. They actually do share my politics, and they're they're yeah, cool yeah, and smart. So I think I think pretty much the whole like metal world kind of had that re- revelation at once. Yeah, uh, yeah, um, like I think a lot of people got into that sort of music at that time. I guess it had a big resurgence, didn't it? Like scenes. Scenes come and go, like scenes like come in and out of fashion and become relevant. Like, 
cool. I, I don't want to like put it all down on one person, but there's a, a guy called uh, Brandon St uh, Stussy who writes, who would write for, I think, like uh, Pitchfork and uh, Stereogum. Yeah. Like a lot of these, like. And he works uh, at NPR now. That's that's yeah. his big. Uh... And he's like a manager for a lot of um, love, quite big bands. I think he's maybe Chelsea Wolfs manager. Uh, no, he's a Zola Jesus manager. But he he started like really um, getting a lot of people into those atmospheric black metal, these like American atmospheric black metal bands, and like showing people, you know, it's not all about church burning in Norway in 1990. There's like, you know, there's this whole other yeah, scene yeah. happening. And he was talking about it in like big venues like Pitchfork. And it got, it definitely got me thinking about it. I think it, yeah, kind of got in a lot of people into it. And then a bunch yeah, of started yeah. bands, aka, yeah. AKA yourselves, probably like you know, Death Heaven, it's kind of like second generation of the second yeah, generation yeah. of American yeah, death metal. So um, it also helped that it finally made black metal a thing that you didn't have to like hunt someone down to get. Because like I remember getting into getting into black metal in like the early two thousands and. Yeah, uh, like Emperor, like um, Winder, yeah. things like that. But like, good fucking luck finding an uh, album. Like, yeah, you're not finding those like you have stores. To, you have to like mail a guy fifty bucks and hope he mails you an album back and doesn't just take your money. Um, yeah, Rejected. and then all of a sudden that that big push helped get like the other big thing help get shit in stores like you could go to a shop and buy a black metal album and you're like ah oh, shit this is weird oh this is tight diadem of 12 stars yeah i bet this will be lit <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i know people shit on like hipster metal but getting that stuff in pitchfork uh like it really helped yeah. like like I, I i don't know if you guys have been like in pitchfork yet but uh yeah, that's yeah, um, um, I guess we've had like yeah, I, stuff with like noisy and vice, which is like yeah, I guess it's like mm. the hipster black metal domain, maybe but that's like that's a nonsense fucking phrase anyway, yeah, like, yeah. It is, yeah. It yeah, it is true nonsense. But um yeah, so you guys you started out, you're you had Screamo, listen to black metal, start Dawn yep. Raid, and yeah, how it's been like what four albums since uh, three albums since the Four and a Blade. This is so we had a Thorn of Blade, then the Unlawful Assembly, and then so this is our second full length Behold Sedition playing song. So um, an EP, and then this is our second album coming yeah, out this yeah. month. Mm -hmm. So and is it actually on a label? Is it was all, uh, is it all yeah? Self? This one, this one's three yeah. prosthetic. Oh god, uh, they're not putting on your band camp. Uh but uh yeah, prosthetic records are yeah, very good. Amazing, yeah. Uh, yeah, cool people, yeah, good people. Yeah. So yeah, you're in, you're in good company there. So like what have you learnt? I know it's not it's been like what, like two years since Unlawful Assembly and Fauna Blight was only two years before that, but so what have you learned about being a black metal band in the 21st century from in the uh, time? If you take a picture as a black metal band with an anti-fascist flag, you'll get sent loads of right-wing memes. That's <laughs> one, one lesson I've learned. Uh, think, think, the other thing is the black metal scene is full of really inspired and thoughtful, good people. Like yeah. That's like the, the overwhelming thing. It's like there's a vocal minority in the darkest corners of the internet who will try and make themselves heard above everybody else 
but at shows, at festivals, the people who are in the black metal and genuinely passionate about it are very thoughtful, sincere people who just love music. Yeah. Yeah, I think like this, this idea yeah. of the sort of this like true cult black metal white supremacist mega warrior viking man like it just is it isn't this isn't a, it's not a real identity it's not a real person like, like this like the the actual right wing stuff is so small and so niche um essentially just mm. exists in like mail orders uh like in uh, and, and online and like the, the 99 percent of the people we come into contact with through this band are like really decent people who like hate all the fucking racism and the fascism just as much as as we do is that like give me like great faith in like people and music actually that like yeah pe- people everywhere are good um yeah that's nice yeah, i think i i think sometimes we often succumb to the the fatalistic interpretation of uh black metal in specific as a scene and then metal more broadly and then you know society even more broadly than that because uh when you get to a certain degree of like focusing on leftism and trying to incorporate it in your life, you start trying to become more mindful of these things about you in the world. But it's, it's always heartening to hear that it's, that it is in fact, sometimes we will capitulate to the terrifying aspects and not necessarily to the vast number of people that are around us who also are resisting those things or are are mindful of those things and maybe imperfectly mindful, but yeah, it's always, it, it becomes sort of a bugbear to hear even from people where you share politics, where they have this incredibly fatalistic view of this thing that you have such a positive, uh, yeah, 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 and people people are like people are developing all the time and developing their own thoughts and their own critiques all the time. And I think at shows in particular, there are the just the riffs people, and the just just the riffs people are just as likely to be in the left wing and anarchist bands as they are to be in the bands who maybe don't have those views. And if they're given that chance to develop, because they're surrounded by good people, they tend to develop conscientiously and take on a lot of those compassionate anti-oppressive ideas if they're presented with them yeah yeah i mean 99 percent of politics is it's just you know yeah. you it's just this like you get into a like i know an online forum and it just happens to have anti-oppressive politics yeah. baked in because or, or you get into a scene and you get yeah. the same thing and um, yeah, and I'm sure a few of those just the riffs people have gone in, gone into the wrong forums or wrong Facebook groups and ended up, you know, getting swastika yeah. tattoos. But it's probably like four yeah. of them in the world. But, so yeah, yeah, and yeah, we we do overstate how much fascism is in the black metal scene and metal in general. Just because there's, I mean, just because the history of the genre has that, you know, the big, you know, church burning stuff. It's like a, a a very obvious and big story right there in the middle of the development of the black metal sound. Well, so a, need... a, f- a funny thing that we cut out of that a lot is that uh, Euronymous was a communist. 
I know, right? <laughs> like we just skipped that part, even though that's yeah, like the, the Nazi stuff was like was really small at the time. Like the like like Dark Firm weren't Nazis, like enslaved weren't Nazis, Uber weren't Nazis, like like the the bulk of the second wave like like stuff, all the fucking first wave stuff, like they weren't fucking Nazis. Like you just have a couple of individuals, but because of the, their fucking like influence online and I guess like people chasing that sensationalist story those people just got a massive fucking global platform. And then it became like, that became the dominant story about that music. We're actually like, that, yeah, that wasn't the case about like that, the majority of that scene actually at all. Yeah. Stop talking about fucking and, those racist dickheads. Like, <laughs> fucking pages. <laughs> That's, um, yeah, so outside of music, like obviously you guys are pre-political. I think it's fair to say. Well, I mean, where would you where do you say you stand politically? What's your, what's your tendency? We're anarchists. Um, like, uh, good one. Yep. That's yeah. The correct answer. Um, so yeah, like, um, anarchists without adjectives, as Waldron Declare said. So mm-hmm. like, fight where you stand, anarchists. If you're in your workplace and there's a workplace dis- dispute, syndicalism seems like a, a decent approach. Um, like. Mm-hmm. That might not be always be the best approach, um, depending on what you're what you're taking on. But yeah, like fight where you stand. Um, anti-authoritarian, anti-borders, anti-police. Um, like yeah, believing in like mutual aid and solidarity um, at its yeah. core. I'm a big fan of like like a- approaching like every situation you see in life slightly differently as well. I don't, I don't, like I think this like this idea that we have to have one overarching like approach and like. Uh, and tactic for for every situation we meet like is like it's a bit of like a, a liberal idea really and kind of very very simplistic way of looking at the world but uh, like yeah like Voltaire declare said like as long as your politics are like anti-oppressive anti-authoritarian like horizontally organized then we're all in the same the same team uh, if we maybe organize mm-hmm. like different parts of our lives slightly differently um yeah we are also yeah anti-borders anti-state anti-police yeah, I mean, one thing that, you know, being an anarchist from a kind of young age that I've noticed is the, it was like a very popular tendency of people in, during the like turn of the century, like anti-capitalist mm. movements. It was very, it was obviously very influential yeah. in Occupy. And then, then there was a turn and then there was, and then it uh, the left became more Marxist-Leninist yeah. orientated, yeah. and and like th- there was a time when I was a kid when if you called yourself a Marxist-Leninist, you'd be like, that that yeah. that's crazy, that's insane. It's like, and um, yeah, like tankies have become a everyday yeah. thing now. We like so... we talk about this a lot. Like what happened? Like you'd go to the summits or like the summit demos or like the party conference demos. And there used to be huge anarchist presence in those demos in the UK. And now it's like there's actual tankies at these demos. And it used to always be a joke that tankies mm. don't actually exist in real life. And now they're putting feet on the streets again. Yeah. It's like, what is going on? Like, when did that become okay again? I do, I do think like uh, the internet's had a massive like impact on that. I feel like there's like this weird like, weird, like sliding scale with, from like from like liberal jeremy corbyn support to like um like like jeremy corbyn supporters and, and, and those sort of liberal supporters like use words like socialism and, co- and communism like 
and and then like social democracy or whatever become like quite interchangeable um so i think it's like a lot of like confusion about the specific things that those words mean and I, I do think the word like the word communist has been used a lot to refer to things that are actually not have nothing to actually do with communism um and like i, I do think yeah. that, that like i do think the slightly more liberal candidates like jeremy corbyn have like have actually done a lot of damage to i think to left-wing movements do you radicalize a lot of people mm. like do you radicalize? i think so i i, I think they've taken a lot of militancy out, out of out of left-wing scenes i think all of a sudden um, like I, I believe I have I have no more love for the Labour Party than I have the Tory Tory Party. I I, 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 I hate both those parties. And like, but I think all of a sudden I see people who I expected to know better all of a sudden trusting trusting the state and putting hope in the state to fix these problems. Well, actually, you know, it's like not not to just rip on the Labour Party, but it was the Labour Party that that started privatisation of the NHS. It was the Labour Party that like was like a huge part of the chaos in the Middle East. Like, is the Labour Party that fucking started privatisation of education? Um, like, the Labour Party like have a terrible track record. Um, and I, but I think because of the use of things like social words like socialism and communism being interchangeable then with social democracy and like liberal capitalism, um, the Labour Party have managed to brand themselves as the party of the left and. Honestly, I think they will just sell it out. I, as as the American here, I have um, near identical feelings about um, Bernie Sanders, yeah. and then additionally the DSA, where it's like, if you if you put a gun to my head and say, would you rather have Trump than them? Well, no, no, obviously yeah, yeah, not. Yeah. But and some some left types will sometimes deliberately or liberal left types will misinterpret that statement. But it's like we can still offer that and it's it's exactly the same as the um the left critique of tankies is we can still possess this critical capacity for people who even uh, share a number of our political viewpoints to be like in these areas these are weaknesses and so like gareth i can throw to you the the point that they were saying about the de-radicalization that someone like corbyn or in america that bernie sanders presents is that Yes, they're more left than a typical candidate, and it's so it feels radicalized according to the center, but according to the radical left that is tugging you there, you wind up seeing people cluster in that spot. And so they're like, I've become really left. I like uh, state-owned railways. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> I, uh, okay. Like, yes. If we ask, I have to. I have to fight. If we ask, like friends in Athens, their thoughts on when Syriza came to power, and how that worked out for anarchists in Athens and Exarchia, if we ask our friends in Catalonia how it worked out when Podemos, um, like were had some semblance of power in Barcelona, like you know, even Macron was yeah was meant to be like was going to be better than the Front National, I guess, but it was slightly better than the Front National, but like still he's been like a fucking disaster so it's like if, if you look at the examples from around europe of these similar supposedly like supposedly socialist but some form of like the left of capital like and, and how they behave when they get into power and how they so quickly turn on anarchists and the organized left like it's like it, the the answers are there for what would happen when the labor party if they got into power mm. or if bernie gets into power because like a friend of ours years ago wrote a blog. He was like he used to be an anarchist blogger, and he used to always say like when you capture power, it captures you. It's like even if you get even if you 
get into the government with all the best of intentions. If you want to stay there, you have to conform to their rules. And it happens to every supposed left-wing party. They get into po- they get into power, and they're so compromised by power that they can never do any of the things that, even if they genuinely intended to do it, which I doubt, but they can never actually carry those things out because the the like the power of capital is just bends them. Yeah, not to make enemies and not to sound like a bitter anarchist, but like, like let's not forget Kronstadt. <laughs> like, like, yeah. like, they, you know, they, like the, the <laughs> government, a government, no matter what government it is, will sell you out so quickly. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, the biggest selling out that's happened very recently, in the last few days, really, is the what's happening. Um, yeah, in Syria it's like, it's, the, it's like yeah. yeah, it's. it's that shit's driving me up the fucking wall. It's just, I know, right? It's I mean, so hard to even think about. Um, obviously, you have to engage with it and think about it, but like hmm. seeing just every hour, seeing tragedy after tragedy, like, yeah. It's, yeah it's, especially because we're presented the strange false dichotomy that either we can allow uh, a Turkish genocide to occur, because that's that's what's happening. Uh, and that's what's going to continue to happen. Or the the only other option people seem to be able to comprehend is the establishment of a Kurdish ethno state, um, which I don't. It, it strikes me as odd that any sort of um, left leaning capacity would be like, how do we solve a genocide? An ethno state. This has never gone wrong. Um, there is no downside to creating an ethnically homogenous uh, nation state that then has those ethnic borders as the firmly entrenched borders of them. And it's completely shut down any kind of engagement yeah. with the topic because it's become just, you, you pick your one up, you pick your one poison and it's, uh, uh, drives me up the fucking wall. Yeah. And I mean, this whole thing is, it's like that, um, story of the frog and scorpion where, the the US in this case is the is the scorpion and the the YPG or the PKK are the frog, and they just want to get across the river of killing ISIS, which is a, a good thing. ISIS are bad people. They, they no one not, likes ISIS. No one is proud <laughs> of ISIS except the band. They're good. Good um, band. The band. Terrible <laughs> political movement. But um, anyway, but uh, yeah, they, and they were they were poor. They they couldn't muster the weaponry required to do that. They had no you know air force so yeah, they had to get in bed with the us otherwise they would have been genocided by isis and yeah and now that uh frog and the scorpion the scorpion has stung them because that's what a scorpion yeah, will yeah, always yeah. do that's a, that's a good analogy and, um, but yeah but they really had no yeah. other choice they they would they could either die in 2013 or they could die probably yeah, yeah so, I, I, I uh, hope that's not what happens to like the Rojava yeah, revolution. Yeah. Um, like I think it's been yeah. really inspiring <coughs> to see in Liverpool yesterday, in London today, to see the Kurdish community and anarchists and anti-fascists like out on the street in in huge numbers to draw attention to the like the travesty that's happening now in Kurdistan and in Rojava, and like so. I sincerely hope, like that, that the Rojava revolution continues, um, and like, mm. it's going to yeah. happen if there's um, anywhere that has the the infrastructure 
and the passion to make it happen. I, I really do feel that there's like that there is strength within Rojava that could allow it to continue. Yeah, I mean the Viet Cong defeated the, the yeah, United yeah, States, yeah, yeah. and that's and Turkey is not yeah, the United States. Good. So, um, so yeah, it's a it's a possibility that you know protracted guerrilla warfare can um, you know help them pull through. Then you've also got Assad to the south, and he's going to want his territory back yeah, at some point. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's an absolute mess as as it tends to be when whenever a actual real existing anarchist community starts as in like here yeah. spain um yeah. ukraine um mexico uh, even really brief ones like in south korea or um there's a beijing commune for about like five seconds until they got all slaughtered uh, again um it's a uh, yeah it tends to be the uh the outcome uh, is um mass slaughter Oh no! Oh no! You know, Zapatista is hanging on in there. I think. So I think that is. Like, it is. You have to draw that inspiration as well where you can, and like, like looking at what the Zapatistas have achieved, and looking at their their international outlook and the communiques, looking at how they've responded to the sort of the the inspiration from the Zapatistas to Rojava and and back again. Like, you have to stay inspired by it, otherwise. If you think about it too much, you'll give up. Yeah, and there's there's no room for giving up either. Yeah, I was just noticing the so, as with all our guests, we've asked you to to pick a song to play, and uh, you picked Trespasser. Thanks. Good choice. And their their album before the last one, uh, to the barricades, has a picture of some uh, some soldiers with yeah, the YPJ yeah. just arming up some. Uh, some stuff, some nice little uh, yeah. confluence there. Yeah. It, it yeah, all comes yeah. together. So, <laughs> so do you want to just introduce uh, Trespasser and the song you've picked? Uh, yeah, like I like really like this band. We, we sort of chat to them on like online quite a lot. Uh, like I guess the like, Black Flags on a Blood Red Horizon, like an amazing title. Uh, I guess it reminds me of the Panopticon songs. Mm-hmm. Um, black, black, red blood, black, black. Uh, was it uh, red blood black hole black hole yeah, yeah. like yeah like I'll, yeah like i also like that they're just like so explicitly anarchist like i think fi- like focusing on like the ukrainian revolution and like marxist like politics is like really fucking cool because so that's like a very inspiring time and i feel like a time that doesn't get talked about that much as well like you don't you don't always hear about the tankies tend not to bring it up yeah the tankies don't always talk about it. Yeah, 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 yeah i wonder why anyway like yeah, a very very cool band for like good people and like it's it's I'm sure everybody listening to this and you guys can appreciate like finding a band with like good politics and good songs can be like hard. hard, hard oh yeah, and this, yeah. <laughs> for me, I noticed when they have both. Oh, <laughs> a band that has both. So yeah, damn right. Yeah, so here's uh, Black Flags on Blood Red Horizon by Trespasser.
and then obviously, <laughs> <you're gonna> <laughs> gonna <laughs> yeah, everyone seems to like literally everyone we've we've interviewed lately seems to think like we'll sit here and just listen to the song for five before. minutes. Gonna put the cat along. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can. I can, I can, you know, we could we could do that. It's just you know, we'd have to edit it, then edit it out, and then put the song back in. It would so be enough. really funny if we left it in, but put it after the song of just the songs early quiet. And we're like, this is good. And someone else is like, yeah, yeah I like it. <laughs> good, good riff here. Let's <laughs> do commentary. It's really, yeah, commentary track on the song, which is, which it, wouldn't be played. It'd be even better because we, we sometimes have, um, and not sometimes it's actually the majority of the time we'll have like novelists on and stuff like that. And just making, making them listen to extreme metal would be really <laughs> fucking tight. It would. Yeah. You're like, Hey, you wrote a pretty good, you wrote a pretty good literary fiction book. It was really nice. Um, so this is, uh, this is Demilish. Uh, they're, uh, really tight. They sound like a frog. <laughs> he's vomiting cause he's sick. <laughs> So, so yeah, well, so that was uh, Trespasser back there, and <coughs> we're still here with Dawn Raid, and <coughs> sorry, I'm, I'm literally dying of many colds right now. I poisoned you. I don't know how, but yes. I've been throwing darts at you in the night. <laughs> when you go to bed, I jimmy your window open, and I dart you. I wouldn't I, put that past you. I crawl inside, I take the dart back out. I only got so many darts, can't be wasting them. And then I close up your window because I don't want you to get cold. Oh, thank you. It, oh, you're it welcome. It is cold in my house right now. Um, so yeah, Dawn Raid, hello. Um, and yeah, so I'm, I'm going to ask the asshole question you, that is asked of any person with politics that are mm -hmm. outside the norm, which is that, okay, so electoralism is probably a bit of a dead end. Yeah, it can probably solve a few problems, but not enough problems. It, it will pro ine probably inevitably backfire on us. Okay, so what's the, ne what's the, what's the other thing we can do? What can, what can we do? What I, is to be done? I think a good way of getting involved in, like, in anarchism and, like, like, anarchism for, like, the best thing about anarchism for me is direct action and, like, like directly solving the problems that you can see in front of you. And, like, the, uh, like I really think, like, how how do people keep believing electoral promises and keep like keep genuinely believing that politicians will do the things they say they're going to do like it like with their track record like I, I don't i don't understand the appeal of asking the super rich to fix problems which we all know they won't fix which could just be fixed by us ourselves i that is the beauty of anarchism i think is that is seeing the problems in front of you and fixing them yourself and that i generally think the best way to get involved is like there are so many terrible things around us all the time and so many things getting worse and so many struggles. Um, but I think the best thing to do is look at the struggle that most clearly resonates with you and um, uh, or that you consider to be the most important and most urgent. And then look at the skill set that you have, your individual skill set, um, and just see how you can use your skills to help that problem. Because I think everybody has the skills to make this world a better place and everybody has skills that are valuable um, and if we're to have a revolution or if we're even just to make this world a little bit better, like it's going to take everybody and it's going to take lots of different types of skills. So maybe you can cook food for people. Maybe you can help fix people's fucking houses. Maybe if you are physically capable, capable you can show up when the Nazis come to town um, to defend 
like your town against the Nazis. Maybe you can uh, write the propaganda, spread the propaganda. Maybe you can talk about this at shows. Maybe you can write a book. Like maybe you can just organize it in your community. But I think for me, being an anarchist is looking at the problems that you can see and just working to fix them and not relying on the rich. So yeah, that's that's what I believe. Good answer. I know you did admit um, the mention of podcasting, which is probably the yeah, most yeah. vanguard. That's, 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 <laughs> that's, 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 that's the best. This yeah. is propaganda. Let's the, be honest. The, the podcast is the newspaper of our generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it kind of is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Not not to like you know there, there are a hell of a lot of good uh, anarchists and leftist podcasts yeah, right the, now. That's how we find and, out about most of the international stuff now is through podcasts it used to be indie media it used to be like yeah. like other websites like indie media but yeah. those things don't really exist in the same way anymore so it is podcasts now yeah I suppose, I think, like introducing yeah, people to, to political ideas i think like it's like t- trying to read the, the conquest of bread or like uh like any, any of the sort of the classic like slightly slightly dense like anarchist text can seem quite like intimidating when you when you're new to it but there are so many ways like to engage with these politics and to like to learn about like, these ideas um like especially i think like mm. youtube and podcasts are like really great ways to to help you understand some, some of these ideas yeah i mean you know there were a few with their problems and well we won't mention the the problematic mm. ones here but uh yeah generally speaking big big generally um the left has kind of has really cornered podcasting in a way yeah, the yeah. right hasn't the the right are, are very bad at yeah. podcasting they're they're very good at youtube the the right has really kind of owned That's us true, on see. youtube when um yeah when like the biggest youtuber on the planet is yeah pretty much basically yeah, Nazi. Yeah. and um so yeah we've got to do do a little work there but um podcasting yeah we've got them yeah. got yeah. beat I think this, yeah, this stuff's important. You never want these ideas to be like exclusionary or like elitist, and you can't be fucking gatekeeping. Like, there's lots of different ways to understand these ideas, and yeah, I think podcasting is genuinely like a, a really, like a really good way to try and learn about these things. It also helps uh, cover a certain problem that I run into a lot, being someone who grew up in a um, a semi-rural environment, is that we have a lot of. I hesitate to find the right word for it that that nails the tenor correctly, but something like an urban chauvinism where things that are easier to acquire when you're in an urban environment, um, things like it's hard to have a robust zine culture when in a 10 mile radius around you, two thirds of the yeah. land are farms. Um, so certain things like that, which no knock to them, if that works in the environment they're in, then that's doing the work and that's good. Um, but having this plurality of things that cover that space that normally would have been covered by um, by zines, even sometimes making like communal meetings can be very difficult when people are spread out over a wide area um, and, you know, wanting revolutionary thought to encompass even those often overlooked spaces. Um, new media in general helps to to cut into that because at this point, at least in the West, People have the internet. Um, so having means that are both free and come through those are quite satisfying yeah. to see. I do think like a, a big, like the, the rise of this stuff, I think has been important because 
uh, I think like as like productivity is like is like has to be constantly increased under capitalism. Like people are working more now than like than ever before, and like it, like it's it's fucking hard to like just find time to read a book. And it's like it's it's hard, like I listen to podcasts at work a lot on the way to work or on my lunch break and stuff. And like because like we all just have to work so fucking much. Like trying to find time to like to read dense dense texts or like you know, like like some some heavy heavy going anarchist literature. But like you can't blame people for not having the time or the energy for that because like fucking living under capitalism at the moment is fucking exhausting and like yeah i think this is like this has been a really good way to try and yeah to try and fit this into your life around having to work to stay alive yeah i mean there's kind of we mentioned like the dsa and i guess we can mention momentum here in the uk and courage in canada and various like center-left uh social democrat parties in there what I've heard from people in those is that um, grad students are like the bre- are like the foot soldiers of the DSA and Momentum, just because they have time to actually sit down and read yeah. theory with yeah. capital T. Whereas, you know, I work I work nine to five. I need to. I can. I'm lucky enough that I can put a, mm. my headphones in, and um, on the train to work and on train back. And most of the day during work, I can just have my headphones in and listen yeah, yeah, to podcasts. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah, that's the that's kind of the only way I can um, absorb any kind of political yeah, yeah, thought. Yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of it is, is very good. Like, um, same, um, we had on a while ago, um, I forget his name now, uh, Rev yeah. Left Radio is like a, a generally brilliant podcast. He's a very erudite guy. Um. Yeah, he's very much in the MLM tradition, but you know, very <laughs> perfect. And um, and uh, yeah, just just a great podcast you can learn absolute yeah. fuck ton from. And um, yeah, and, and you know, our our own podcast is is not without its educational merits. We talk a lot about um, anime and swords, so you can learn. You need to learn about that too. Yeah, so it's important. Anime and swords make our spirit strong so that we can carry out revolution. Goku loved yeah. Lenin. I'm a, a, a That's probably I don't know about anime, but I'm a big, big sword fan, definitely. Okay, yeah, excellent. <laughs> yeah, yeah but I, I think I've seen you guys in like medieval armor no, at some point. In their the new movie. album co- checks the uh, the black metal uh, box of having a uh, solitary stone yeah. tower on the so country. glad you get that reference <laughs> yeah, as well. Yeah, like, yeah. I look at it and I'm like, they were holding a mace yeah. when they looked at that picture, and they're like, "This is the one." How do you get the smoke? Is that smoke? Uh, obviously, we, 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 obviously we burned it. Burned the king, town, the yeah. king was living there. Yeah. Yeah. Like we, 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 yeah, there was like oh. a working class no. resistance. Like the peasants rose up that day. There's no laughing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I remember that video <laughs> about that. Yeah. I don't know. I know that one. So, yeah, I, I just kind of imagine like a park warden, like, a, hey, hey, get off. <laughs> you know, I'm sick of all your black metal bands. Uh, we filmed a video yeah. as we just released it the other day, but we filmed a video in front of it as well as, as a slightly different on a different day. And uh, we just filmed in the forest, and there's like hardly anyone there. And uh, we just like the song was playing, and we're all sort of like rocking away and pretending to play it while we film this video. And a guy. Like a very immortal, oh, yeah. uh, immortal kind of vibe. Fucking sick. <laughs> and, uh, this, 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 That's yeah, fucking uh, tight. This, <laughs> this jogger just ran like because we were like there's a path 
divided us between us and the camera and this jogger just like ran past like through the shot and like laughing and like the juxtaposition between this guy in sportswear and like favoring in a bullet belt and this castle was like yeah, that's pretty like that's a pretty funny situation and I imagine it, you were like, you better keep that yeah, in the final yeah, video. Yeah. Like, you, yeah. you work him yeah, in. I don't know if it would have been a funnier <laughs> video. I don't know if it would have been a better video for it. But... <laughs> I, I truly think it would be a better video. I mean, if it was like 100% serious, but then in one shot, there was a jogger going through. <laughs> that, it never the gets... Yeah, there's no reference to it. It goes right back to being normal. <laughs> exactly. The yeah. fucking Monty Python, when the police are chasing him for the... You know, like, yeah, the police like shut it all down at the end. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do that. Yeah, that that would look really cool in that like immortal video. You know, you know yeah, the, the yeah, infamous like, one where they're like going around the fire. castle and doing the fire breathing. They, yeah, they, like, yeah. If they just got arrested at the end. Oh man, we blew our budget on the smoke for the album photo, so we yeah. couldn't do fire in the video. Yeah, run out of money for capes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got You got to always have your cape yeah. budget balanced. Important stuff. That, that velvet yeah. is not cheap, and you can't, you can't just like have a bunch of like creases in it. That you obviously just gotta have a packet. You gotta like, you gotta steam that shit. No, 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 you no, no. Really, that's, you, that's where you got this wrong. You don't steam it, and you don't. And that's what all the bands do. Nobody irons the fucking cape. You can always see the creases in the cape, man. Like that's like that's a blind mistake. Yeah. Like, you know they got it from the Halloween shop. Yeah, that's kind of like, I think that's, that's become the setting now. Can you can you imagine someone accidentally starving to death because they keep blowing all their money on high end luxury capes? I, mean, I can imagine that. I, I can imagine the bad devil master doing that. They're living in squalor, and it's like, for fuck's sake, buy ramen! And he's like, <laughs> no, I'm saving for another cape. It's like it's you have fourteen capes. How expensive bullet belts are? Like that. Crazy. Oh yeah, I bet. Especially in the UK, where you can't yeah, just yeah, buy yeah, bullets. Yeah. In, in America, you could just like go around and just pick up some bullets off the floor from your last mass shooting. But yeah, here you can't find it anywhere. <laughs> I'm the American, okay. and he's correct. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we did do an edgy podcasting now, but um, yeah, bullet belts are expensive. Uh, patches, like you, you gotta have a bunch of patches. Massively expensive. I tried to like customize a, a battle jacket right now. It's what very expensive. What have you done the back piece I'm, at the center? Like, what's your big back patch? I, I can't even... I, I can't even get to that yeah, point. Right. Well, you'll, um, one day you'll just see this massive, expensive patch. And be like, we, That's the one. we were all... I, I just know, adore right? red back patches. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, we, we, ones, yeah. we got them cheap. Yeah. So. <laughs> do you do back patches? That, that'd be a kind of... That'd be a good one to, to have. Well, I'd like one. Well, it, well, it's just one. for ourselves in a spare. We can, we can send you one. Yeah, we can yeah, send yeah. you one. They uh, should make back patches that say Emperor, but not the drummer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I would like that. I would wear that. <laughs> I would wear that as well. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's... There's like a couple of Burzum songs. I know, <laughs> but there's a couple of that are yeah. all right. Uh, well, I wouldn't know. I've never, no, never listened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No I like touch. how everyone communally decided like you know philosophem's a really great record time to never listen to it again and just like yeah. put it outside by a tree be like i'll let god take care of that one for, um for the record, yeah. for, like, the record and for the record especially for the german diy shows 
Dawn Ray does not condone any Burzum songs or anything like that. I'm just Okay, that's fine. That's, good. that's, good. that's a good. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I think that's totally fair. In 2019, if you condone Burzum, that's 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 pretty suspect. Um, can I not condone point that I've been um, dying to make for a long time? Just the Twitter. About yeah, Forg used to call himself Count Grishnok after an orc, and now he calls himself Gandalf on Twitter. That man is so fucking confused. Is it Paul understanding of Middle I don't think he's ever read those books. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's just trying to steal Lord yeah. of the Rings fella from everyone else. They are fancy teams. You yeah, it's just like you, you can't just do that. For it. Like you know, you, you have to read the book if you're going to use those names. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. He's probably Although just seen the films. <laughs> <laughs> that's not our biggest gripe. Yeah, that's not like, the worst thing. Obviously, also for the record. No, I'm going to cut around that. So it seems like your biggest gripe with Vark Vickness is he uh, stole Lord of the Rings Valor from True Fantasy fans. <laughs> the members of Summoning are going to kick the shit out of him. <laughs> I bet he's only seen the films. And if you're like, hey, Vark, do you know who Tom Bombadil is? He'd be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's also got a new album out. Um, that's a soundtrack to his uh, shitty role-playing game that he made. This so, is the um, first interview where the interviewers used a Dawn Raid interview to try and push the new bug What What's going on? <laughs> I'm not pushing it. No, I, I, I do not. I'm not, I do not condone any uh, Vikernus-related <laughs> activities. In fact, in fact, I have digital proof that he hates me because he blocked me on Twitter. Yeah, after I uh, posted a picture of a a pig uh, shitting on some balls, <laughs> and um, turns out he didn't like it. I thought it was trad. I thought that you know farming. That's 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 really trad. I thought he'd be into that, but no, very sensitive man apparently. So um, yeah, that's that's the Vavikus uh, discourse for week. New discourse. records. We have a record as well. <laughs> oh yeah, you do. Oh, I, I'm just looking, looking it up now. Don't yeah. <laughs> oh, it's crazy! <laughs> well, two black metal records, you and Vagvik and Burzum, <laughs> oh, in the same week. Hopefully, all the big black metal bands are releasing their record on the same day as us this year, which is yeah. uh, Alice have, have an album the same day as well. Yeah, yeah. we find oh, out they were yeah, coming they the same day. Um, yeah, it's been like last bit of like last quarter of 2019 has been crazy. Yeah, yeah I do. I do a lot of music criticism and there was a bunch of talk with different editors and writers of like, there was this big ass lull for like four months where it was this trickle of albums. And then literally it's like a two month window and every fucking band is putting yeah, out an album. With, like, what's coming out. Isn't it? Yeah. It's nightmare sometimes. So someone's like, Hey, we need your thoughts on the following 17 <laughs> albums uh, in five days. And I'm like, okay. Like, <laughs> Like the only thing that could make it worse of this would, would be if Dow released like five oh, more albums. You know that five more recorded in the background as well. I don't, I honestly don't know how they did that. Like we've written one album in two years, and like it killed I've us. never been yeah. so fucking stressed. Like fucking hell, I don't know. Like fair play to them doing that. Yeah, for them all been like really good as well. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, there, are, right? there are musicians that Blasters. just have like quantity over quality, but to, to release like was it like three? Albums, is it something? Yeah. 
Oh, was it was five. It was uh, it was four EPs and then a uh, a uh, Rea Silva was length. like one of my records of the year last year. It was so good. Mm. That was a kind of like uh, almost yeah, grungy one, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, they're yeah, they they yeah, they they are they're good people, and I I would very much like Dal to be on the show now. Now I've crossed you guys yeah. off the list. And uh, alienated you by talking yeah, about yeah. person. So we could, um, yeah, and we piss you off. Well, we, we need to go. Well, we at least down. did talk about how Burzum's a dumb, nerdy goon and would be very easy yeah. to bully. Yeah, and, and I've successfully bullied him. So, um, yeah. We've all seen the videos of him doing martial arts in his yard. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, this guy, this guy thinks that he is, mmm, mmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> You're like I'm not big on bullying, but I, I right now I'm I'm reconsidering. I'm gonna just go up and I'm gonna give him a fucking swirly. Swirly, <laughs> that's such such a funny word. <laughs> right? I just I really want to embarrass him. Like not even just I want to be like I'm gonna do this until you stop, and you're not gonna be able to stop me because you're incredibly weak, Varg. <laughs> strange, strange man. Yeah, he's yeah, but um. So yeah, the album comes out on what October twenty fifth. Yeah, October twenty fifth. Ah, okay. So a week from, almost a week from. Oh no, two two weeks and a bit. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, it's a Friday. Yeah, it's October twenty fifth. However long away that is. Yes, a week and a half ish. And you guys are touring. Yeah, so we're doing um, a few UK shows and a record release in London on October twenty third. And then we're going to Europe with uh, Faults from the US, which should be awesome. And then mm-hmm. yep, um, cool. we will be back in the US extremely early next year, but we haven't announced it yet. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, I'm yeah, stoked yeah. on that. We'll be on the West Coast. So <laughs> I don't know where you're... <laughs> Damn it! I'm, uh, I'm, I'm by DC, so you'd have to come near all the fascists. So Yeah, well, no, we're going to be on the West Coast again in January. We'll be on these coasts uh, soon enough, I'm sure. So. Yeah, we'll be on these. Here, some stage, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You play Manchester. We are, we're playing. We're not doing Manchester as part of this tour, but uh, we'll we're playing Manchester in December. Uh, I'm sure you know the band Pain. Um, P I J N. Oh yeah. yeah. Is that how you pronounce that? I was supposed to. I could have been pitching. Corrected me. So we've known uh, Joe from Pain for a long time, and. Like they're an amazing band, so they're doing their new record in full, and they asked us if we'd come and play as well. And we were. Is that the um, Kersey's yeah. Metal Hands? They're doing their Conjurer. own new record yeah. in full, and um, I'm not sure what it's called, but oh, wow. yeah, they're an awesome band. So they asked if we'd come over and play as well. And we were like, yeah, absolutely. That sounds yeah. like a killer, yeah. killer show. Yeah, I, w- I will be there. That's December. I'm right? Very yeah. anxious. I think it's a bit of a want... general posse Christmas party sort of vibe. I think it'd be good. Cool. Uh, do you know where you're soup playing? Kitchen. Oh, brilliant! Okay, yeah, Soup yeah, Kitchen so, is a good place. Yeah. There's like, there's like two good venues in Manchester, and Soup Kitchen is uh, half of them. Were you at the Thou so, Soup Kitchen show, yeah. by the way? Were you at the Sorry? Thou Soup Kitchen show recently? No, I, I, I've only recently oh, moved yeah. to Manchester. I so, no, sorry, I, but um, yeah, but I, I will be at the. Pigeon or Pine, um, and you guys 
at Soup Kitchen Show. Wait, how did you not know it was pine? It's the whole I Dutch IJ thing. That's a letter. It was Dutch. I've just seen like four letters. It's it's Is man. It you see an IJ next to each other? That's Dutch, baby. What? Okay, fine. <laughs> I, I, that, that's one I, of them random ass facts that I happen to know. Okay, I know nothing of that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we've taught people about uh, Dutch spellings now, and apparently the band is called Pine. Oh, yeah. the, you, you don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to fucking post it in the Discord. Look, I just, I'm, I'm proving I'm not fucking around. <laughs> I, I didn't think you were. I didn't think you randomly picked a <laughs> European country and decided that the IJ sound came from that. I believed you. Yeah. For, the, for everybody God. listening at home, uh, the Wikipedia link to IJ has just come up uh, on the screen. So it's also learning even more about the Dutch language. So. <laughs> Welcome to Death Sentence. We have Don Raid. We're going to talk about, talk about Dutch <laughs> linguistics. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm sure. I'm sure we could. Yeah, Noam, Noam Chomsky was a lim, linguist, so you no, know, it, it, it all it's comes together. Enough. This is that high quality promo prosthetic we're keen for us to get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we barely talked about your music. Uh, barely talked about you as people. Mostly talked about uh, Vagvikness and Dutch pronunciation. Yeah, you can see. In why fairness. If uh, if anyone's not listening, or if anyone listening to this hasn't heard Don Ray, they're uh, at absolutely missing out um like a lot of people i was put on to you guys from your last record the unlawful assembly which had mm -hmm. a Same. Huge, huge amount of buzz around it and then absolutely goddamn delivered just like and you guys dropped it at the perfect time like trump had just taken office and uh everyone here was so fucking angry um so yeah absolutely fucking phenomenal band and uh have loved the singles that you've dropped from the upcoming record. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to ask about the upcoming record. So, this one, so there's this one song in it called, um, what's it called? What's it? Songs in the Key of yeah. Compromise. What's, what's that one about? Uh, it's sort of about the, it's meant to just be about the sort of the right wing of like the black metal and like the, Cheap shock tactics of like of, of the sort of like true cult right wing satanic stuff. Uh, the like the idea that like uh, right wing black metal is any sort of counterculture. Um, where actually like the, the politics of those bands like are just the politics of like the state and um, conservatism. Um, and but it's just like a very very poor attempt at like rebellion. So yeah. 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 I'm it's unfortunate that that needs to be said in 2019 because it's um, it should be obvious by now that yeah. doing what Donald Trump wants is not rebellious yeah. in any way. And uh, this whole uh, the rightist new punk. Oh, just, yeah. uh, yeah. This idea that the right wing is somehow anti-establishment when like the right wing literally is the establishment. Yeah, you, yeah it, it by its very nature can never be anti-establishment no matter how yeah. crazy they get. But um, yeah. But uh, yeah. So that's pretty cool. So we're gonna end the show with your song uh, "To All, To All, To All." So why don't you tell us a bit, bit about this one? What what what's this one uh, about? This one's one of the slightly more like whimsical and poetic songs on the records. It's a bit less literal, uh, and it's sort of mm -hmm. 
and its politics than the, than the other songs. Nevertheless, it is like anti-capitalist, and um, I guess the opening lines uh, talk about how uh, uh, what a tragedy it is that to to uh, support capitalism and be a be, yeah, be a supporter of capitalist or right wing ideas um, when you still will suffer the same misery, depression, uh, and and oppression that everybody else faces under the system. Um, there's a, yeah, I think there's like a great tragedy in like supporting something that is making your life so much fucking worse all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, it's, it's just it's just about how how horrible life under capitalism actually is. Um, uh, the last line is "Work is the shackle, debt is, debt is the cage." Um, so, uh, yeah, just about the miseries and horrors of capitalism and how how miserable it makes makes you feel. And I think like we talk about this a lot, yeah, but like so- obviously mental health is talked about. Um, a, a lot of the moment, and um, like I, I think, it, mm. I guess it's no surprise because like um, life is miserable under this fucking system. It's so hard to find mm. happiness and yeah. satisfaction and like um, and joy, like like uh, under the system. Not that that is the cause of everybody's mental health problems, everybody, but like this, like I think blame should be laid at the right door sometimes. And um, this system is making us fucking miserable, and it's not, it's not our fault; it's the fault of capitalism. So yeah, that's what the song is about. Yeah, I'm definitely 100 percent on that um, on that sentiment because yeah, it's something a lot of people aren't. It's a conversation people aren't willing mm-hmm. to have, and it's something that mental health professionals can't deal with at all. Mm-hmm. Your therapist isn't going to change the world, so you can be happy again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that we talk about this on the, like this record is like the flip side to some of the other sentiments, like in other songs. Like I, I do think there's like. The last song on the record um, is about like how I, I, I genuinely believe there's like huge dignity in um, in resistance, and we shouldn't just fight because we think we can win. We should fight because it's the morally right thing to do, and it's also the dignified thing to do. And I do think a, a big way to like to helping us like to improving your. I, I don't want to talk about mental health because I know I'm not a mental health professional and not, not nothing about it. But I do think a big a big way to improve your own life um, and to give yourself like like uh to give yourself back the dignity that the state takes from you is is to resist and is to fight back and it's hugely empowering i think because i think capitalism is incredibly disempowering and at the moment incredibly isolating um and i think building within your own communities and like and fighting back like is a good way to like to genuinely improve your life i, I think you have a better life for it um so i guess this this song is is that is that is the misery of that but we also have songs that, that say like you know to fight back against that misery and to reclaim that dignity, like resistance, I think is a good, a good solution. Yeah, damn right. So yeah, one hundred percent agreed on that point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is to all, to all, to all from Behold Sedition Plain Song, out on Prosthetic on October twenty fifth, and it's Dawn Raid. Come back next week. We'll be talking about the. Uh, we were talking to Natalie Ola about her new book on repeater books, which is kind of about the same stuff we were just uh, talking about a second ago, but in, through the lens of culture. Uh, we'll also be doing the new Margaret Atwood book. We'll be talking to many, many more bands. And um, I will personally be, be at Dawn Raid show at the Soup Kitchen. So if you don't like the show, you can come and beat <laughs> me up. And that will be really easy for you because I'm not very strong. <laughs> So you're, you're going to be really unsatisfied if you beat me up. 
you can support Dawn Raid and take Aerith down a notch, which is that's two wins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll just be like this pathetic lump on the floor, <laughs> peeing myself and crying while you could kick me once. I, can't, I honestly can't see that happening. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, if you do see it happening from the stage, then you know, just please call security. <laughs> I'm not a grass man, I'm not a <laughs> 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 Okay. But uh, yeah, so anyway, here's Dawn Raid. <laughs>